Welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to announce a new sponsor, Factory Sports Excellence. I've been sitting here staring at this now for the last about five minutes as the clock ticks by. Because for 23 years since their inception in 1993, I had no idea that it was Factory Sports Excellence. I always assumed it was Factory Sports. Now, Excellence does actually encompass Factory Sports. They are pretty good at what they do. And with hockey season just around the corner, I think this is probably where you want to go. To see the boys, you need a new twig, a pair of blades, or the latest, greatest in helmets or other equipment. These are the guys you go see. Go see Mr. Holt or Mr. Mullet, and uh, they'll get you hooked up. They're located at 490349 Ave. And... Uh, I like their slogan. Their specialty is sports. So if you're looking for anything sports-wise, go see those boys and uh, welcome aboard the podcast, fellas. Next, T-Bar One Transport is also sponsoring this episode. I was laughing because I got a phone call as soon as last week's episode came out. I had said they were the small business of 2013, and they had to correct me. They were actually the business of the year in Lloydminster in 2013. So they made fun of me because I'm actually in the photo of us getting the award for business of the year. It's, uh, it seems that I can't uh, figure that out. But I'd like to say thanks to T-Bar One Transport for sponsoring. If you're looking for any heavy haul, oversized, tank moving, winch trucks, pickers, pipe yard, they got it all. Uh, give them a call, 780-205-1709. Tell them Sean sent you. And uh, the boys will get you hooked up out there. Finally, uh, September 28th, the Boundary Battle of Alberta comes to town. That sees the Oilers alumni versus the Calgary Flames alumni. Uh, this week, they announced that Hunter the Lynx and Flames, uh, and for the Flames, Harvey the Hound, the two mascots, are coming to town. And I don't have too much to say about Hunter the Lynx. I honestly, he's been so new for the Oilers for the longest time they didn't have a mascot. But a fond memory of Harvey the Hound. I think anyone can remember Craig McTavis on the bench ripping his tongue out. And, uh, you know, it'd be pretty cool if uh, McTavish came back over from, I believe he's coaching in the KHL this year. It'd be cool if he flew back to Lloydminster just to, to do the ceremonial, rip the tongue out and throw it on the ice because that was awesome. And uh, I think Harvey had it coming. <laughs> but tickets are still available for this event. If you go down to Boundary Ford, uh, you can get them $25 a piece. All the money, all the proceeds are going to Project Sunrise. Great cause, guys. And, uh, I mean, what more can I say? All you got to do is buy a ticket, and all the proceeds are going directly to Project Sunrise. That's pretty cool. Uh, a few shout-outs this week. First to Matt DeJong. He was uh, driving to work, and he said, uh, Podcasts are making drives to Frog Lake and Bonneville way better. Keep up the good work. Secondly, to Cole Costa Riva, he said, uh, great work on the podcast, man. Listen to Corey Cross's right now and gave me the thumbs up. Uh, this one was cool. Uh, Yoni Vertanen, Vertanen, uh, from Finland, a guy I played hockey with years ago, said, uh, while recovering from his ankle operation, I've been listening to your uh, podcast. Great job. And I'm thinking to myself, He's sitting there listening to this right now while he's held up in a bed. Uh, that's awesome, man. I'll 
I hope uh, you're feeling better. And finally, uh, Deidre Mann had said, uh, I just listened to your Biking Across Canada podcast this week while on the treadmill, and it was thoroughly enjoyable. I laughed out loud multiple times. Nice work. So thanks, guys, for reaching out. If you want to reach out and get your name uh, tossed on the podcast, just hit me up via Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Love hearing from you guys. And if there's any thoughts or guest uh, suggestions, just let me know. Now, this week I have Nigel Dubay on. He is the current GM and head coach of the Lloydminster Bobcats. He got hired back in November. And so I just kind of want to sit down with him. Um, we're leading into his first full season with the with the Bobcats here in town. And uh, just kind of want to get his story, his thought on where the team's going, on how he's going to run it. And uh, it was really enjoyable. I think you guys are going to really enjoy this episode. So without further ado. So, welcome to the Sean Newman Podcast. I'm joined by head coach and GM of the Lloyd Bobcats, Nigel Dubé. So, thank you for joining me here at your brand new facility. This is pretty cool. No, I appreciate you taking the time and coming here, especially to check things out and, and have it right here. It's awesome. It's got to be uh, enjoyable to have uh, your own touch on a new facility as you start your tenure here. As I mean, we're joking about it off air. It feels to me like it's new, but you're coming up on a year um of being now in lloyd you took over last november um but to have your own touch on a place like this that you can call home hang your hat must be a, a nice feeling for you well it is and it's one of this uh, this performance center um you know uh, when i first got here we talked about moving offices and, and different things of of how we could do that and um to create this out of of what seemed to be just an idea of moving um, and the amount of time that we have between this and, and the you know the dressing room being changed over as well too and, and, and being freshened up there that um, it's nice for us and, and I think it's a good resource in many ways not only uh, from our day to day in the office but when our guys get here through the season and, and what it has to offer to the community outside of our team too. You put a lot of work on the details I've noticed from afar because uh, it's not like you said oh we need we need a new uh well and actually maybe i should preface this my first time i ever ran into you you came into uh one of the restaurants in town covered in paint and uh, i'm like hey how's it going i introduced myself and you're like yeah just painting the new facility and i'm like it's not like you're like yeah we need a couple new things now i'm gonna go out and hire it out to a bunch of people whatever you've had your hands in on it since as far as i can see day one well, that's one of those I go back to uh, my time in Minot where, you know, I was an assistant coach there and uh, push came to shove uh, in different times and I was driving the bus, um, you know, and, and there's not <laughs> many, many coaches that can say they were driving a bus and, and it's still a little bit of a story, but um, I said that was, that was the best part of me is being an assistant coach and seeing the grind. I, and, you know, it ended up that year and, and there's, you know, it's funny to go back uh, when I was down in Minnesota with some of the alumni guys and we were chatting and literally rebuilt the the tank sewer system on the bus like that was it was a private bus owned by the owner and needed to be done and you know we didn't have the money we we went in there it was a deficit to start and um so coming here to get this and and you go in and the question is well how are we going to afford it right uh um you know the way things are and uh we have great sponsors that come on board that that help us get the product and same thing had had the question of you know how, how are you guys doing it you know 
where you, you did this and this to the budget or whatnot and and how are you doing that? i'm like well you know we got a great deal on the couches um you know the the tv was from the old office we had somebody donate the other one uh the paint we got at cost and from his you know season ticket holder and, and get going out and getting the sponsors to do it and um there's always a way if if you can you know um make it happen and want to put the work in and it's no different when our guys get here it's the same expectations it's if you want to sweep the floors you know it's not that bad right it, it takes us six minutes to to sweep the floor and in, in the gym and you know our staff is going to clean clean our dressing room on game days that's our deal the, the players can go get ready and the staff will look after the room so uh just coming up through the system like that has helped me you know get to where we are today and how this came about that's <laughs> that's really cool putting some of the onus on the players making them a part of what you're trying to build because when they all start pulling the same way that's something that a lot of programs don't do they just expect their players to come in and, and skate and leave and eat properly and then come back and skate but when you get them picking up the little things now it becomes part of them it becomes their team and uh it's easier to play put in like the extra little effort when you uh you've been putting in the little details all year round yeah well, and that's that's the big thing for our guys if you know if they can learn to pick up a piece of toilet paper behind each other or, you know if somebody spills something for another guy to help out uh, we'll be we'll be a heck of a hockey team on the ice and and there's just a lot of those little lessons that go in the way and our staff here has got to know me in, in the quick time um, you know Brady came in on the 27th of July and, and Haley at the end of end of may um you know and there was some time in there that i was just by myself so they've uh, they've learned the the expectations are very high but at the same time <laughs> the rewards there and and you're not looking for somebody else to contribute uh you know to, to pull your own weight too i so. i laugh because i was well he knows the side of it nigel knows i i show up i'm a guy i like being on time I like being on time i showed up about 15 minutes late and uh I come in apologizing and he's already joking about sitting me the first game so i i've already got to uh understand that um well and i i've known this for a long time we were talking about larry wintoniak off air that was one of his standards too right be on time uh be respectful to the people that you're dealing with and that's a uh, if you tell somebody to be here at a certain time that's that's a big expectation don't be you know you should be five minutes early ten minutes early heck on instead of on the other side because people's time is valuable and to uh keep a guy waiting even though it's it's not the end of the world today um i understand those little lessons and that's that's cool to see those lessons coming in here and i'm not saying they weren't here before but um trying to get a get to know a new guy and, and not from the community to come in and and see what he's going to bring to this area it's uh it's good to see those is what's being taught for the team and moving forward well, I laughed too a little bit because he sent me a text, right, and said, "Hey, I'm I'm running a little bit behind," and and just to get that to to players too of, "Hey, if you're gonna be late, just, just there's technology now that shoot text communication. Hey, you know, I I know you're late, and and all is good. And rather than you get to the point where you're 15, 20, you start to worry about a guy, what's going on in the cold cold days of the winter and stuff too. And you know, you learn those things along the way, and I think. And to, to open up your mind um, to what's around you go back to Larry right when we talked about that before uh, off air but uh, you know for for three days I knew the guy and his presentation professionalism how he handled himself he was straight with you no matter what you, you knew what he was thinking and and you, you, you self-reflect in that and um, you know am I like that when I talk to somebody it's just that's the way it is and, and to present that and that's what we want to bring to the community here is, is where things are, are laid out and and you know to the fullest 
I uh, I want to ask one other question before we go back to your playing days and how you got involved in hockey and that thing, uh, kind of thing. I always, like I was saying, yeah, I, a lot of people don't know you, including myself, so I want to find out more about you. But I stumbled across it, and then you kind of talked very briefly about it. Fixing a tank on a bus. You're not a mechanic by any means. I don't think you're a plumber. What? Uh, that's something that not everybody's groomed with, that you see a problem instead of just going, ah, we'll get to it some other day. You're like, I guess I'm just curious. How the heck do you go like, okay, we got a bus. The toilet ain't working properly. Let's let's figure this out and let's get her done. Yeah, well, it was one of those uh, growing up, dad had a farm and a service station. Mom worked in the healthcare, So I uh, would get home from, from school at 3.35 and, and grandpa um, was there to pick me up and away we went and kind of grew up in that family that, you know, if something's wrong, you got to find a way to fix it. And, um, you know, I got good at returning things too, because, uh, <laughs> you go and get a valve for a, a prevost bus that, uh, cost you, uh, the one we picked up was 400 bucks. And then I went to the Napa who was a sponsor at the time and, and got one for 975 and it was a pull. So he had to make sure your feet were clear of the drain by the time you pulled it. But, um, it was just one of those that, you know, growing up in a family where we, we tinkered and being from a town of 500 that, you know, we, we had race cars where we worked on cars. We took motors apart for fun, and sometimes they never got put back together, but uh, they were just an idea at a time and um, all that stuff. And then, um, you know, it, it's, a, it's a part of me that I try to get better all the time, but when you want something done and you're eager and I don't have a family and, and if I have to do it at 10 o'clock at night, you know, that's, that's what needs to be done. So we just went about it. And sometimes you got to look up Google a little bit to help you on, on <laughs> YouTube is on, a phenomenal yeah, thing, isn't it? Yeah. How it all goes together. So, um, you know, it was one of the grosser things I've done. Um, <laughs> but, uh, at the end of the day, uh, the bathroom was up and running and, and, uh, you know, we put a lot of those, uh, outhouse balls in the in the tank there to keep it smelling good but uh it was and you efficient. know it's it's uh it probably seems like a crazy small thing to people listening i know a bathroom not working properly is it can be a big thing obviously around the bus but overall on the grand scheme of a hockey team or any team that little thing probably is pretty small and yet those small little details can just change a team's attitude. Would you Would you not agree with that? Oh, absolutely. And, I, you know, there, there's a part of it. Um, I was fortunate, you know, when we talked the hockey side of it, of, of where I played and, and how I did that. But I think sometimes two guys get caught up. And there's probably along the way where I got caught up in that too, right? I'm a junior hockey player and, and life's cool, life's sweet, eat, train, skate, train, sleep, you know, enjoy your Fridays and Saturdays in the off season and, and do all those kind of things that, um, you know, you forget about the life outside of hockey of, you know, what happens if hockey doesn't work out, right? And and taking for granted things and, and doing that. And um, I go back to my, my junior days, it probably taught me that at some point uh, of, of like, okay, well, why can't I do this, right? Like, why can't I, you know, the, the grass needs to be cut at my billets, why am I sitting on the deck watching them cut it? Why why aren't I cutting it? And those are things sometimes too. You know, a lot of people use the word entitlement of of well, it's their lawn, they can cut it. You just start doing cutting it and emptying the dishwasher it takes you a couple minutes, right? And yeah. and doing all that stuff, and you start opening yourself up to 
going and buying laundry detergent that needs to go in the dress room or, or mopping the floors, whatever, whatever it may be. And I think uh, if, if we can instill that into our guys, that if you go the extra mile and the preparation to go the extra mile, you're going to see the reward, whether it be hockey, whether it be academics, whether it be anything. Um, and you're going to expand your mind to be able to, to take on a position or, you know, a job that might be different and, and very su- successful for, for the person and, and the family too, if that may be the case. No, I think that's a special quality. I don't think, well, I know for a fact, not everybody sees the world that way, right? And it's one thing to talk about it that way. It's another thing to get your hands dirty and, and lead the way uh, by doing those little things. So that's that's really cool quality. I think that's, uh, when I first heard your press conference, I, I started to hear little things like that. And I'm like, you know, like if he starts doing things like that, that's really good. And the community has picked a good one, right? Because that's one thing, again, that, talk about it is easy but to actually go and get your hands in and put the work in day after day and be consistent about it is uh, is a tough thing to do and that's why a lot of people stray away from it over time right yeah well and, and that's the thing is you know again the, the staff around me is is that we need to do that right if, if we lead from the top of the chain and and uh, you know can continue to do that and live by it not to put on the show um, but to live by it day after day after day where it's just who you are uh, I think th- that's a huge, huge quality of a, of a person. Well, I want to go back because I was saying to you off air, and I kind of mentioned here earlier that, well, now I think I'm on to episode, this is like 31, I believe, right in that range. So I've been interviewing a lot of uh, notable hockey people specifically and other people, but a lot of hockey people from around the area. And uh, I've actually asked about you quite a bit. And uh, a lot of people just don't know who you are. You're not from Lloyd Minster. Uh, heck, you can be from Lloyd Minster, and a lot of people still don't know who you are, right? So uh, I thought maybe we'd go back. I, I'm curious where you grew up. We talk, You talked a little bit about it, but uh, maybe just uh, where you're from, how you got your start in hockey, and, and we can start there. Well, I, I, I grew up in the small town allotment, Saskatchewan, in the southeast corner. Um, town of at the time was 500 and and uh um, as mentioned you know my dad was a a farmer and and mechanic um and and my mom was uh in the healthcare. i had two older brothers and um you know it was one of those things that um you know you had to keep busy in a small town we we got our our short period of time with uh, cable tv that only half the tv (laughs) worked and and all that but the saved by bells were always great um and then from there, you know, just we had you were a, a Saved by the Bell guy. Saved by the Bell kind of guy, yeah. I could tell you every episode of Saved by the Bell. Who even like knows? A, Do kids even know what uh, Saved by the Bell is anymore? Probably not. I still got the, the DVD seasons of it now <laughs> when it came back <laughs> now, out. Now you're so, incriminating yourself. Yeah. <laughs> so it was uh, it was good. But, no, um, you know, our, our community, we ha- had a rink um, and an outdoor pool. Those are the two things we had. And, you know, obviously a small school, 225 kids from K to 12. Uh, our football field was like a motocross uh, it was so rough it was just a field but uh in the winters dad was on town council and he had a key to the rink um you know and and um uh, we just went down there and played neither of my parents have skated they still haven't skated to this day um and we just skated we we were down there friday nights as little kids and playing shinny and and we'd take our our loony and you know play for an hour and have a coke and and then go back out for another hour and 
we had some where you know you get into that where 13 14 year olds now like to enjoy different things on a friday night and we if we didn't have hockey i remember there was days that we'd go you know two in the morning we'd be going home as just youngsters uh, that we threw hockey sticks so just did that um you know and, and continued summers we swam in the pool and then my two older brothers uh uh, are very successful in what they've done uh, all the time, but jumped right into the work thing. So both of them, uh, you know, went into work and, and continued to pursue that early and young, um, just with their mindset. I started a lawn mowing company at nine, so I drove the tractor around and <laughs> Doobie Brothers Lawn and Garden started at nine years old. So that was our summers, and and then uh, you know I moved away, uh, or not moved away, but drove to to Mydale, um, which is half hour, 35 minutes down the road at 11. Uh, to play tier two hockey uh, that played in the double-a league and you know mom and dad um, drove every monday wednesday and then friday saturday for games and uh, mom became the manager and dad he was the manager of the older teams again never skated doesn't go on the ice just ran the door and made sure the water bottles were full and um, you know you look back again very thankful for all the miles they put on i think my dad put on two hundred and fifty thousand. Uh, between the three boys in, a, in, a, in an 87 Suburban uh, with the biggest winter tires you'd ever see um, and just cruised. He just, one boy, the other boy, the other boy in the winter with his time that he could take off in the evenings and he opened the shop at six in the morning. So, you know, we, we saw that as kids and I think that helped in our careers moving forward. Um, and then 13 uh, to, to 15, I, I played in Estevan with the double-A team. Um, so got into that and did you uh did you train in the off season or did you play a different sport in the off season anything like that farmed and race cars farmed and race cars race cars yeah race cars what do you mean race cars circle track still uh still my old man i bought him a car two years ago it's a sass rush car down in in saskatchewan he races all over saskatchewan he's 65 years old that's what he does for a hobby no kidding yeah yeah so rolled one in williston um yeah on on a sorry you probably said it a a circle track so dirt track dirt track dirt track racing yeah yeah. two cars at a time or like a group of cars at a group of cars so heats a 10 and and usually features a 30 and that was features a 30 30 yeah three eighths mile track and that was our summers i still go back i still watch like everybody watches on facebook watching i'll watch hockey videos and i'll click on IMC how intense TV. is it going around a track how like how fast are you going well it's anywhere between 73 and and the, the modified class of my brother race they were up in the high 80s and like bumping and grinding or oh yeah oh yeah. yeah bumping and grinding yeah all that kind of it's uh it was a grind right you're 30 degree weather and you're you're got a car lifted up and and you're changing fours on it, grinding tires and, and doing all that kind of stuff like that. <laughs> my mom rolled. Uh, she rolled in the history book there. Oh, we always pull up the picture. Like my dad started way back in the day. Um, he's probably in the 70s, I would say. He was racing. Uh, mom rolled on championship night. They rolled her back over. She kept going, and dad won the championship the same night. What do you mean rolled her back over? Like just got her back on all four. Car rolled over, landed on the roof. Yeah. She stayed in it. They flipped it back on the tires. And kept going. Kept going. Kept going. Dad rolled in. I think it was 2003 or four. Dad rolled off the backside. He came in. We put in two new tires on the inside. Uh, long delay, red flag. And he went back out. He missed it, but he went back out, did a couple laps. And, you know, we grind in the evenings, work through the day, grind in the evenings on race cars. And, and we are up to one point, both my dad and myself, and my brother had a car 
and that was our summer uh in the shop rivalry was pretty you know we when we had two cars everybody helped each other three cars this is my car your car you do your own thing so uh from there but uh i left for hockey uh, that was the summer that i went up to penticton 06 and they hauled my my car everywhere it was for sale at the time but they hauled my car along with the other two each track they went to because my brother was chasing the championship so he uh he won two championships in 06 um and and continue still to follow it go down and and check it out uh um you know a guy like brendan labat with the sask riders he still pops in his car in the spring and and goes and it's it's interesting because at the time that we raced there was probably about 10 hockey players like a guy like austin doe that uh played in the sj for many years and plays east coast right now he still races all summer like it's one of those John Lazada kid I used to coach in Minot, he took this summer off. He raced once this summer, but he signed with Wilkes-Barre in the, the American League. Like, that was his summer, school racing. Um, so I don't know if it's something in the water in southeast Sask and into North Dakota, but it was something we lived for down there. So do you go back and race at all anymore, or your, your car racing days are retired? I drove from Lloyd Minster to Estevan on a Monday in July when the big tour came through and my old man was racing. Um, drove down, drove back, uh, just for it. Like, I, I still love it. I still, like I said, watch it on, on the interweb and, and do all that. Like, big... I think it's anything that, that goes with the adrenaline side of it, right, and the opportunity. That was a whole different thing because there's so much strategy that went into it. You know, if you're if you're top two tires go a foot high or a foot low, you're, you're in it or you're out of it and can matter three or four miles at a time when you do that. Um, so it was just, you know, something cool. I still, I still live and breathe it and something grew up in and, uh, our whole family, mom used to run the concession, help out in the concession. And we were on the track, she would pop out and she was intense. You needed to give her about a six by six area because the same thing in a hockey rink, she was six by six at her, her sways, uh, you know, going into the corners were the same as, as when we were battling for the net. She she was really intense in it and, you know, always <laughs> our number one fan through it. So it was pretty neat. <laughs> That's unreal. Yeah. Yeah. So special time. But uh, I shut it down in, in 06. was kind of my last full-time year racing and, uh, that's when I went out to Penticton, uh, playing Penticton. But I guess if I go back to uh, my hockey days and uh, Bantam, you know, I was ranked. That was 03. I was ranked in, in the top five, uh, literally the top five with all those rankings that came out in different, you know, magazines. At For the time. Bantam, uh, you're talking Bantam draft? Bantam right draft, yeah. And I was ranked six foot three at the time and, yeah. and a couple hundred pounds. And, you know, back in there when I, the game was good, I was in the top rankings for all that. And, I uh, got cut from my zone team in Saskatchewan and, and uh, you know, multiple things. I wasn't in the greatest shape, um, you know, eating eating a lot of red meat and potatoes on, on you know, being in the farm community. But uh, um, I, I flopped uh, to the eighth round, um, you know, 153rd or whatever it was to Saskatoon. And you talk about a, a time that, um, you know teaches you a lot right the disappointment feeling and you're you're glued to the screen with all the rankings that come out and uh at that time it was a big deal in the community because nobody had been drafted in in our community we had one other guy that made it as a free agent and you know you, you kind of see that around you and um yeah went from there and just got back into it uh you know started to realize in, at 15 16 what training was um played for the patsies as a 16 year old um, you know, lost, I think it was 17 pounds uh, my first year mid-AAA and, and kind of like 
found out who I was and the identity of, of what true training was. I trained with Tyler Bozak, Derek Bugard, those guys, like not trained in the same facility, just in being like, Hey, there's, there's Boogie or, or there's Bozy. You know, it was one of those where I was working out like Derek Bugard and, and myself would go on the bag at 17, 18 when I was out in Penticton. He, he gave me a little, you know, the guy could punch his fist through a punching bag <laughs> and we were at level 10 and he'd work out and, and he'd come over and knew my brother well and, and stop by the house and stuff. And same with Bozak, you know, a Cinderella story in a sense there too. And went out to, bc uh every kid's dream uh at the time to go to bc from sask and and play in in bc and penticton and how how did you uh how did you end up out in penticton was that a trade or or did you uh get like a train uh, a spring camp or something like that no it was uh actually just how life happens uh ray warham was coaching the midget triple a team in in moose jaw and two years as a 15 year old and 16 year old he'd offered me a spot there um went there at 15 i just wasn't ready to leave home with no driver's license and stuff like that and uh, went there at 16 went through the black and white game had already talked with the pack canadians coaching staff and um before the white black and white game happened i went into ray warham's and i'm like hey ray thanks for everything he was awesome to me um but i'm gonna go play for regina i just you know i got family in regina and, and the transition would be easier and um you know played against him i still remember uh the, the last game of midget triple a i shook his hand and and uh you know great playing against you as a coach ray and everything like that and always in full respect for him and a week after i was done with regina uh jumped on a plane went and checked out penticton because i'd been talking to bruno and when i was out there he's like ray warham's our uh he's our saskatchewan scout and i'm like no way no way and and uh and Bruno said, we, we want to sign you. We want you here next year. And, you know, I didn't hesitate there, but it was just one of those things I called Ray, and I'm like, hey, thanks, you know. And you try and teach guys out. Like, the, the, the reaction or the impression that you give to somebody can go a long way. And Ray Warham was a guy that I walked in and told him I wasn't going to play for him, and he helped out my career. Down the road. You know, gigantically. Uh, to get me there so I signed and and um, you know just trained through the summer and and uh, went out to BC in in August and reported to camp and what was what was Penticton like well I was for me it was you know going uh, out there and you got water two lakes on each <laughs> end and and uh, you know it, it taught me a lot though and Bruno taught me a lot as when he was coaching uh, our camp was in the Soyuz we stayed in the the basement of the bingo hall uh it was bunk beds the wire ones and you know had a pretty much a, a gym mat on it with uh, a sleeping bag and and you went upstairs we ran the the beep test in the same gym gym floor area kind of that that uh, auditorium area that we were eating breakfast in the morning and you had to walk to the rink and it was four days and and you know kind of at the time ken lost and lousy white like why do, why do you guys do this and he's like we see who can hack it after four days and there was kids that went home that couldn't you know some days you're sleeping minimally and and doing all that and you got to grind and perform um but to get out there and and uh you know beautiful british columbia as they call it and and then in the in the winter it was interesting for me because i like the i don't mind cold and and then rode snow machines and stuff in the winter and then when it kind of got that cloudy 
haze over top of it through the winter months still warm but just cloudy and your energy levels aren't near the same as as uh you know if a minus 30 day with sun out is a yeah. lot different than a minus 10 day with full cloud for what seemed like three months at times but uh all new territory for me i I'd never been to williams lake i'd never been to victoria or any of those places so uh, it was cool it was cool to to see the the province and um, playing the old memorial rink in Penticton that was ancient and and the history that went in there and um, you know uh, taught me a lot had great billets with Jackie Fredlick Fredlick and, and Grant Claddock out there that um, were just awesome people that taught so much Jackie got me involved in the school program she was the one that said the second year she goes Nigel you want to run with it? it's yours so as a player right so um, she looked after it all so just opportunity um, and then took that opportunity around with it that's pretty cool so and then from there got the trade it to camrose uh december 1st of of uh 07 um weird feeling i had roomed with brett hextall um that he was a captain i was assistant captain i said hexy i think i'm out you know there was another d-man hanging around and and i said i think i'm out and he's oh, no no you're not and, and i said this is that feeling right i had separated my shoulder that year too and um you know what at the time seemed like a real tough goal um and then december 1st got the call from harvey at uh, 10 a.m on a sunday and you, you know what you're getting a call for on a 10 a.m on a sunday to come down to the rink I still remember my car didn't start that morning so i borrowed hexes and went down and uh you know emotional um at the time on both ends uh, i think it was one of freddie's first trades that he he really did and um, jumped on a plane went to camrose uh, again from you know minus 10 to minus 35 or whatever it was at the time but fortunate to, to be traded to a team that uh you know i think we had lost four games at that point the night before they had lost in in drum haller before we got there they had to run the stairs at 3 30 in the morning all that kind of good stuff back in the day and and uh well, sorry to cut you off i, I was curious uh asked the boys about it a couple weeks ago about brooks and but what we were talking about before we got on here was back i'm two years older than you and i was saying to them guys two weeks or three weeks ago that uh camrose in my day was the team and you went to the team what was it about camrose at the time of your playing that just separated it from everybody else what were they doing like what like you come over from a different program you walk in and was it immediate you noticed something or was it just they had talented players or what was it about cameras well you look at the 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 personnel i think uh that was there you know joe colburn mike conley carl Stoller, andrew mcwilliam those guys are still still playing out joe had that unfortunate uh injury but those other guys are still playing but the other part of it was just the room um i think a big part of it you know uh dean petty was my d partner and assistant captain and you know he was like a, just a man and you, you never questioned what he said you could feel that out in the room and we'd Owen Chatwin as the captain and nobody ever looked over at Chatty and you know said nah, I don't think so Chatty right like you just had that feel and and then the expectation to win and there wasn't a, you know maybe we'll go in and win um, you know maybe we won't see how it plays out it's like you go in every game and you need to win like if if you're not up by one after the first it was kind of like oh man you'd think that we were on a three or four game slide and and things like it was just a grind um so just that and we we had a special group i think and and there was guys that came the year before and 
and you really had a mixed um you know a mixed dynamic in your lineup like you look at guys i still remember guys like kyle miller um that was from rabbit lake saskatchewan and you know he could throw punches left and right and and he was happy with that role uh you know if he was perfect the plus player that night and did everything right um you know i don't even know if he's, he's maybe played some senior hockey after that right but he was so dialed into whatever helped the team win um blocking shots and he rallied and it's almost like a, a missed art now in in hockey is you have that where a guy blocks a shot and you're just as excited as the guy that scored a goal and and we had that there which you know to to try and teach and and to you know let guys understand that was was something but from from top to bottom there was just such a gel that you know it it was there and the expectation was to win the people that came to the stands expected to win fast forward several years now i hate to jump too far ahead but i'm curious it was, it's a question that i've been pondering since we first lined this up how do you take that what you know you've been a part of a group that has become a couple periods away from winning a national championship with their Robank Cup because part of Camrose, for the people that don't know, and I probably should have let us go there, but you end up getting the Robank Cup on the Camrose team. How do you take what you know and have been a part of there and that culture? There's multiple times you lean back to Minot as well, and we can talk about that as well. How do you take what you know there and bring it to Lloyd now? Well, it's a lot tougher than one would think, and, and that's – you know, it's it's one of those that uh, you show video clips and you can work on the systematic side of things of, of hey, here's our forecheck, here's our power play, here's all that. And I get just as excited to show a clip of, of a guy that's blocking six shots, right? And and one of my favorite YouTube videos was watching the toughest athlete as a hockey player. Um, you know, we're just guys laying out to block shots and, and doing all those things. Paul Korea from off the Florida scoring the goal and, and all that. And those kind of things go any bigger than the individual credit and to to make sure guys see that and know that so i think that uh, the youtube clips that you can pull up are sometimes if, uh, just as effective if not more effective than a guy scoring a sweet goal even between his legs and you know top cheddar and all that kind of good stuff is is to try and show what that looks like um you know we probably wish that we had gopros back in 08 and, and could travel <laughs> around with us and all that kind of stuff uh back in those days but just for guys to see that and also credit guys that do that with our team now right and you know what it was sometimes we pull up three goals of here's the clips from the goals for here's the clips of the goals against and say to our guys like here's the six clips of of guys did good things away right and one might be that guy gets checked from behind and there's three guys in on that um you know when i got here last year I went to stay in a hotel for two and a half weeks and and that's what uh, the coffee crew said you know like somebody gets hit from behind nobody's there right and I experienced that I was like oh man like literally nobody's there we didn't have any support and now you don't need to fight in 2019 there's hardly any of it but just to get in there and have that brotherhood of hey you know if something was to happen I'm there for you right to to show those clips and you ask guys that that uh, are coming back to camp or that i moved on to other ways those are clips that we looked at last year throughout to you try to just teach that uh you've been uh i've heard you talk about team bonding a lot and doing different things with the the team to try and grow some of that because part of that is just team bonding and getting 
guys to go to war for each other and putting them into situations where you expedite that essentially like gel them together quicker uh what are you doing for team bonding i've heard some um different stories about maybe some things uh you've been doing with your teammate when you first got here and now moving into this season well i increased the budget on our, our team building that was <laughs> that was one of the first things that happened but no like we're gonna go out to the lake for two days and 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 disconnect a little bit from from the rink and and it's early right and on the ice and going through who knows with this august the way it's going you (laughs) might have uh snow by (laughs) might might be in shelter right but uh no we're gonna go to the lake and and we're fortunate with grant and neil are are gonna run the guys and it gives me an opportunity to to step back from always being around them and and i'll be there but for to interact with them for me to get to know them too right what what makes them tick and um they all got sent out personality packages um that that some people might look at and be like well what's a personality package well one's a picture of a a cat looking into a a pond and and the reflection of a lion back what does that mean to you right and and some guys might be like well that means you you know you're only what you see in the mirror of yourself to you know you can be whatever you want to be um so you get those different reads on guys and one of the questions i had one one player responded that this is the toughest question i've ever answered is you know what do you do in emotional adversity what emotional adversity have you had and how did you get out of it as an individual so we get the feel for guys in that way and where we're at and then you know we'll take them to lake for two days and and we'll do an amazing race um you know where they got to work together uh and they'll get to know each other just simple questions to each other from there to and capture the flag with water balloons that were on sale at Costco um, you know those those new ones that are really good to do that to, to be effective in it where some of it's just quick um, when I played hockey I, you know and I, there's not many times I do go back to it but it was you, you see those groups uh, I don't go as far as the clicks but you just get to be really good friends with certain guys on the team and, and they're your go-to you know if i want to go for lunch tomorrow i know i can call sean and sean's going to go for lunch with me no questions asked right we're going for lunch well how about those 14 other guys um that i've never called before that probably you know they might want to go for lunch and been waiting all year to get that question asked and how do we do that they don't have to hang out every time but to to separate that out where where you get to know each other and that's the thing where we go out there and do these different team buildings is you know how do you get to know each other we got guys that are going to be so quiet and you can tell in their responses that we're going to have to pull them into the circle because they're just happy with sitting back so we'll go to a place like that where they can sit around a fire and just have conversation and get to know each other and and whatever it may be go to a school and i'll pick the team the groups at the start where i can see that as a coach or assistant coach sees that and be like hey let's put these three guys together because you know we're missing that let's let's get that bond in a different way where coaches aren't around and go hang out at school and have lunch with a kid that's really cool um i was you've already partially answered a huge chunk of it but i know in your press conference when you first came here you talked a lot about changing the culture that's one piece of it is there other pieces of changing a culture that you've been trying to instill now almost for the full for uh full year sorry i can't even spit it out and then uh like now that you're leading into your first full season as i put it in quotes like uh is there other pieces 
to that puzzle that you're trying to instill around the organization you've talked a lot about the facility and the staff that you've brought in and now having your first full year on having your hands on what team is going to be coming here uh, the team bonding building portion of it what else goes into that for you for uh, changing the culture of what's been going on here and, and moving it forward well I think the you know the having a good a great staff I should say around us is you know with with the guys that are in the rinks every weekend and doing that and and the character checks of the kids that were were you know looking to bring in whether they be assistant captains or or kids that volunteered in schools already um you know we, we came up with that border city built on the idea of really you look at a community-owned team and and how do you be a part of that community right and and not just to say, okay, when the season's here. I said to our billets um, in the spring, I said, the billets, they don't get you know near enough, um, the, like a rent check, if you want to call it that. They don't, they don't get paid enough um, by any means for, for having a guy in there. And then the other thing is we never really had, you know, we need the billets in August when the guys report. We need you through the season. And then being a part of teams where, okay, well, we won't talk to you again until the next August, right? So we did those things along the lines of, of building those hampers for Easter. Uh, we had a, just a simple barbecue at the Performance Center that, uh, you know, they came and brought the families if they could come and eat and, and uh, do that. And I think that goes um, to what we're building here is just to, to have that family, which is one of our core values, um, to do that and, and be true to our word. All right. We're, we're not just trying to hey, here's our four core values is to live by that and be a community team. And then when the community comes around is, is to, you know, well, we said it all summer, we got our sponsors to believe it. And now this season comes around and, well, I haven't seen the Bobcats, right? Uh, is to actually live that every day, is to execute it. If we can execute in the community, be a part of the community, we're going to execute a four check. I don't have a question in that. Um, and to build that culture where guys want to do that. It's not begging and pulling teeth. Um, to get them to go out there it's, it's being a part of that and and being active in minor hockey there might be a, a day uh in the season here where you see 23 25 bobcats show up to a bill of kids hockey game right and everybody sit down and watch three periods of it and eat popcorn and have a you know a fountain pop or a gatorade or whatever it may be and sit there and watch it just like those little kids do when they come and watch the bobcats and they think it's really cool and just we want humans that, that want to be like that. And it's, I don't think it's rocket science. I think it's just you, you find the people and, and success breeds success. I truly believe in that. And if you can find that, you, you create that energy and you create that culture. Well, and the community part of it is you want a community to support you. I think you already said it, right? You get a, You support the community. And we were both talking off air about how much we did. I mean, we started with it, about how much we did uh, – in our careers in the community and for me being out east that's what we did we were always in the schools we always went and um kids practices kids games kids everything it was about uh making our community better stronger um more gelled and when you do things like that you get the support back tenfold and for i listened to one of your interviews it was fantastic and I wish I could, I'll try and paraphrase it, but essentially talking about um, you don't understand like the impact you're making on a kid's life by just giving them a little bit of time. And on the flip side, the player going out there and having to experience the different walks of life uh, sitting in the schools is good for them to see as well. 
And I think that's a really cool message to bring to your team and have your team be a part of. And I think you'll start to see the community rally around stuff like that because that, that's like an awesome message. Well, it's, we're, we're fortunate in what we get to do, and, and I'm true to that and what I get to do. I live my dream every day, and, and a lot of our guys do, where we don't have to worry, right? They're going to use a, a hockey stick that they didn't have to pay for when there might be a kid out there that's just wishing he got a broken stick just so he could shoot the rocks against, you know, the curb on the road and, and enjoy that moment. And, and for our guys to understand that, which you talked about, um, that goes above and uh, above and beyond, you know, any, I think, MVP or leading scorer title that, that anyone can receive. I wanted to ask you about, uh, and I hope I get the name right, with, when you were with Camrose, uh, did you start the Kodiak's Cub Club? Is that correct? Did I say that? Uh, is that correct yeah. name of it? Yeah, you bet. So it actually originally when I was down in Minot, I started um, a program down there called Building the Future. Okay. So it was a, the same, use the same blueprint there where it was uh, um, building the future. And it was a different market down there because in, in the North Dakota, they didn't really know hockey. Um, you know, they knew football. You say football, they knew everything. So getting the schools was a challenge, which taught me a lot too. Uh, for teachers to understand, you know, hockey players and and what was what we were looking to do, and then um, started the Kodiak's Cubs Club in in uh, Camrose, where we we just targeted schools to be active in it consistently, um, and I think you know that's a that's a big part of it, where you bring that consistent role model um, to them, and and they know you know next Thursday that at the time is excuse me the Kodiak's were coming in, and then working towards the goal with them. It was to read 12 hours uh, outside of school and be physically active for 12 hours outside of school. And then they got a prize package out of it that was pretty much a backpack, a water bottle, skipping rope, tickets to a game. Uh, They had a free meal with it. Stuff that, again, your everyday probably junior hockey player takes for granted because when they show up, they get, you know, a package of here's a T-shirt, shorts, and and kind of that swag um, and also encourage kids. And they got a T-shirt, and both both times we created that that program, the coolest thing still for me is when um, you see a kid the next Thursday wearing the shirt because he knows the team's coming in, and and that just touched home to me. We had one boy I remember in both communities that he did not miss a day, and I don't know if the shirt was ever washed or not. It was like <laughs> it was hanging in his locker, but every day we were there, um, it was great. And the same thing when. In January, we, we went to uh, a school here in town um, every Thursday, and the principal called, and she said, Nigel, we got a problem. And I'm like, oh, you know, we got a problem. I don't know what it is. Uh, I don't really know the guys yet. Um, and uh, she said, you know, we just went to two classes, and the other two to three classes are really mad. And, like, we had grade twos that were really mad. And I'm like, oh, boy, like, what's going on, right? And she's like, really mad because the bobcats didn't come to their class do you think we could just send like two to a class and spread them out through the school every time and i'm like absolutely i'm like that is the best, best thing problem yeah. yeah like when i first started i'm sweating kind of speechless sitting back and i'm like this is the coolest thing ever right and for for those kids to to gravitate to them and and want them you know in their classroom again goes above and beyond and and hopefully our guys take away from it maybe this year maybe in 10 years maybe when they have their own kid uh, of how important that is and if they can make a little bit of an impact along the way too. 
Uh, are we, and maybe you already have it going with the Bobcats, is there a club or something along that, that program already started since your reign or before your reign? Well, what, what we're doing this year is going to be new, and, and once the, the, the teachers get back, we're, we're going to you know, kind of formulate a pan in it, uh, um, and, and we're going to do the wow, the workout of the week um, with our guys. At, uh, uh, we're going to start just with the physical activity side of it uh, with King's Energy Group. Um, you know that they work towards um, you know watching a youtube or if it's like last february it's minus 40 that they can pop the youtube video up on on in recess and and kind of go through a workout and watch a bobcat and then us go out to the schools and be a part of it and you never know maybe we'll get you into the gym and and have you on there as a celebrity uh <laughs> the celebrity, celebrity right and and that's what we're going to work towards to see those different people that have impacts you never you know this might be the first shout out to the mayor that he's he's going to get a phone call to to come in and and do that and uh we got a little sign up kind of like the old polaroid where they get to put their face in between um and and be the student of the month and student of the week and and to do that so um we've created that and um you know we want it to build over time uh we've had a lot uh a lot go on in this off season so i think it's a step in the right direction uh maybe we'll do something where we, we let the kids name name the program down the road here and and really be involved in it uh in a different way that's really cool um to switch gears a little bit um another thing that I, r I wanted to talk to you about is is uh up until this point you've been an assistant coach and when asked about that i was curious what you were gonna where you're gonna say and you've already answered it a couple times so for those of you who uh haven't heard your answer uh the one piece and i'll let you explain it and and talk maybe a bit about it is up until this point you'd never been a head coach you'd always been an assistant coach and you had said a couple different things one you wanted to experience everything so you could understand uh, the different facets of the game the whether it was video whether it was recruiting um dealing with the the schools and and creating the programs and and having your hands so you understood when you got to the top and the quote you used was it's not a race to the top and i uh really enjoyed that and I thought maybe you could talk a little bit about that and maybe why Lloyd when it came up was the right fit and why you went okay it's it's time now well you know you look at it and and I go back on it and and yeah people mature over the time and and I think um you know to to be humbled in what you did and and how you got there along the way and I was probably that guy along the way at some point that, that my head was so big it, it had a tough time getting through doors um, you know, and, and that's just the reality of it, right? You reflect on things all the time. And I was probably that guy. There was, I can't tell the exact time of when that was or what, where that was. But, um, you know, to, to be humbled and go along, and it's a, it's a tough process in the coaching world, right? I, I'd worked hockey schools every summer um, and then got involved in just personal things, you know, training kids and, and doing skill. Um, and, and I thought I was ready at different jobs in my life where you're like, oh, I could do that, right? Like, oh, yeah, it's not, not, not that bad. And then you kind of get into it, and it's like there's a lot that goes into it. And that was outside of hockey. That was just those summer jobs where, you know, um, working through the offseason. And when I went down the Minot to see um, down there was a real eye-open for me. That was a private-owned team, uh, the owner I still talk to uh, all the time down there. And, um, it was an opportunity where I went into a team similar at the time to where the Bobcats were struggling um, financially, struggling on the ice, 
I think we were only averaging just over 600 people a game, um, you know, at the start of that. And there was a lot of variables that went into that. And I just showed up and I thought I was going to be assistant coach, right? Just go on the ice and do video work and go recruit. And that's kind of where it was. And I said, the owner, like, well, there's some room for growth there. And he's like, well, do you want to do it? And I'm like, sure right and that's where i started with the things of building rebuilding the the bathrooms on the bus and next thing you know selling sponsorship and it gives a whole whole different dynamic and and a whole different perspective on on what goes into it um you know if i would have jumped in now looking back on a head coaching job and somebody said well what's our sponsorship ad i'd be like well i don't know like how do you even approach that right and and to be able to do that so um took my time through it and and when you look at players um when we look at players you sometimes look like okay that player's been on three teams in in one year uh or three teams in two years or five and whatever the the breakdown on the ratio is where there was a lot of teams in a short time and i said i never want to do that as a coach um you know i was four years in minot uh which is you know you look at a 16 to 19 year old as a junior hockey player in the same spot and uh going back to cameras um to see what that was like in a different side of it. i was there as a player and and to see what the the other side of it was like and you know how some things were still the same from from when i was there um and then when when lloyd opened up and um you know before uh watching around the league and and seeing different teams and how they went about that i actually had a job offer in this league a year before that um that i I, that i turned down uh because it was a situation that was one that i didn't know if i wanted to jump into at the time um and that was the first time in my life i I actually said like hey maybe i I need more time uh when i didn't take that job it was kind of like i had a crunch time decision time i had 24 hours to make what could have been a life-changing decision and uh, I didn't I, I you know went to cameras from there and I could have been the head coach at the other team and probably one of the better decisions I made um, to feel out the the Canadian side of hockey and then when this one came available it reminded me so much of Minot uh, you know I remember when I called home and I just said this this just reminds me of opportunity right there, there there can be so much growth from what I think you know at the time a struggling team and and uh just to go in there, old barn, all those things, and, and to see what can really happen. And, and that's, you know, took the jump and, and threw my name in, into the hat. And, and uh, you know, to go from there and uh, looking back at it, uh, you know, I think I put in some good time as an assistant coach um, that weren't easy days at times, right? From how, how you're trying to put a uh, food on the table at night was was tough to do and when you're going on road trips the, the best meals were the ones at the hotel because they, they sometimes are fancier than the ones that I was eating myself to get there um so that was a big thing and and you know but if you asked me that same question at 16 or 18 or 20 years old I probably would have told you that I wanted to get to the top as fast as I could and it's just that reflection of what can I do better every day how, how am I going to get to the top right and the challenge and to work towards that goal it's like our players now. Every every kid wants to go to pro. Every kid wants to be a Division One hockey player. But can you truly reflect yourself? Are you doing everything to get there, right? The guy that shows up at the rink and then goes home. The guy that shows up at the gym and then goes home. You know, there's eight more hours in the day. What are you doing to become better? And that's no different, uh, I thought, as a coach once I got going, right? You can work eight to five or 
you could work seven till ten thirty at night if the job needed to be done, and that's why we put couches in this place. Is there needs to be a late not a late uh, late nap that we can mix that into it. So I love the gym because I can just go crush out a workout in the middle of the afternoon and. Uh, but that'd be why I'm not seeing you at uh, motion at five in the morning anymore. Yeah. Six in the morning. Yeah. I was back there at five, three this morning, but, uh, I like, I like the energy in, in the performance center here. And, um, you know, it was kind of cool just the, the whole process of it. But, uh, yeah, you know, sometimes it is, <laughs> there's so many things that I could relate now to kids, right? Like, Hey, making a decision at 15 to sign this way or sign that way, you know, Again, when I was 15, all I wanted was was to go one way and and to do all that. Now, I can pull myself back and older and and more experience in it. And okay, what's best? What way is best? And I had to make those tough decisions. And you see dollar signs at times of, you know, if I go this way, I I got this happening. If I go that way, oh, you know, the it, it's a whole different thing. So um, I'm excited about it now. And I think too for for myself, we got a young assistant coach here that that uh, he has the same aspirations to, to climb the ladder and you know I had him hanging signs uh, a couple days ago um, you know and he's probably looking at me like why am I hanging signs I'm an assistant coach if you can if you can figure those things out um, you know his coaching career will go a long long way as well let's talk about the upcoming season I uh, I'm sure when this airs it'll be August 28th which means it's your first preseason game at home so if you're listening to this, tonight you face the uh, Spruce Grove Saints in a preseason game. What uh, what are you uh, looking forward to the most getting this thing rolling and moving, and um, what can the city expect with the, the upcoming Bobcats? Well, it's, it's been a common question, and it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's escalating more and more late. But, um, you know, the big thing in – and it was it was a whole new thing for me to come in uh, midseason and and try and instill um, you know my beliefs and and my philosophies on things and, and that's probably the one of the most uh, exciting parts for myself is to put put things into play from day one and it's not you know day th- the third month or whatever it was at the time and for our guys to to know my expectations um, as a as a coach know my expectations as our organization. Uh, from day one um, you know it's been an off season there's no season that's that's off season that's slower than another anymore uh, the way that it goes with so many camps going on and always recruiting uh, but we had some significant trades um, you know the one with with uh, acquiring cam um, a coin from Sherwood Park and Kyle Fulton and the future considerations where you know we went shorthanded with our card situation we were out of cards so um, to go shorthanded down the stretch to get those two pieces that were 17-year-olds, full, full-time guys. And, and we managed, um, you know, with the Fort McMurray deal to get three players that we were after at the deadline. That was the other deal that we had going. Uh, we were trying to get those three out of them at the deadline too. So um, it was one of those that, you know, we felt comfortable and, and I shouldn't say comfortable. We were confident in, in acquiring those guys. And then you look at our recruits that, uh, you know, we went after from Ethan Mack in Minnesota, uh, Alex Denis in, in Calgary, Dimension Few, Jarrett Miller out of the edge. Um, you know, and I think uh, we're, we're bringing really low numbers into camp um, and to get right after it right away and, and to have a feel on, on what we have. And maybe we could speak a little bit about that because I'm sure Coffee Row is probably asking or will be asking about that as well. Uh, you have a little different mindset than traditional hockey that 
I would assume both of us played, where you bring in as many people almost as possible to tryouts. And I put that in parentheses because the game has changed a little bit. And every different organization has their own theories on how to go uh, about it. But instead of bringing in 50 guys, 40 guys, you're bringing in 28, and you already know the number. Yeah, well, that's that's the big thing. Um, you know, through the process, is a lot different. And there's other coaches that say, well, you know, it's a way for us to get our hooks into other guys and stuff. And I think we've done a good job of that through the year. And, and you know, we're, we're straight with, with players. Hey, we, we love you, and we're excited to watch you next year. But this is where we're at with numbers, and, and this is who we're bringing in. And, and they might get to experience a camp in another place, but, you know, we've been up front with them the whole time from the way we did camp at spring to the summer camp to this one. Um, I think it also gets us uh, a little bit with all the new bodies, and, and we'll stick to this format um, moving forward, but especially this year for, for us to stick to the format of, of getting right into things. Um, you know, the two days on Saturday and Sunday, um, and then the – you know, there won't be an inner squad this this year. So I got asked by the media, which team am I practicing, you know, coaching? And I said, we don't have an inner squad game. Um, like, we just don't have a single game where it's two teams, you know, going after it. Um, that that it could be, you know, one one person drinking coffee might think it's a genius idea and the other one might think it's, it's one of the worst ideas. But uh, to get to our numbers and, and our guys can get accustomed to the community, um, our facilities, uh, what we want to do every day and, and to get into routine, um, you know, to be a part of that. And and also gives us a chance, we go back to when we talked about it earlier, the team building part. If we bring 50 guys in, you know, the, the 15th guy might not know the 50th guy. And you might be 10 days into camp and, and then you're playing. Things happen so quick. We're we're kicking things off and at the end of August, you know, when it airs here tonight uh, with, with the – the preseason game and our last regular season game is February 26th. There, there's not a whole lot of time. We got a couple of weeks. We're playing four games a week. Um, you know, it, it, it's a lot happening. Your last regular season game is February 26th. Yeah. You said. So when does the first regular season game start? You said that September 13th. We're kicking off. September 13th. And where is that? Is that on the road or at home? That's on the road against Sherwood Park. So we're doing a home and home with Sherwood Park. We go there on the Friday. Uh, we come back here. They'll probably rank. I'm gonna. I'm gonna guess Sherwood Park's gonna be ranked in the top ten in Canada uh, coming out. Um, you know, I said that to Chaser a couple of weeks ago. I said he's gonna be on the top twenty board in the CJHL with what they did last year, and and then pretty much returning a team. I said it's great. It's yeah. great for us to have a benchmark going in of of where we're at, and you know, I look at it too is. is there's definitely people that, you know, if we go 0-1, it's going to be, you know, oh, boy, what's going on? If we go 2-1, you know, well, I was, out of the gate. I was going to say, you know, you're talking about there's going to be people at Coffee Row sitting there going, it's either a brilliant idea or it's a, a horrendous idea about the 28, right? And the only thing that's going to pr- – is in, well, a month's time, a couple months' time, everybody's going to know one way or another, right? And for you and for – Everybody in Lloyd, I hope I hope you're bang on, and I hope it goes guns a blazing for you. Uh, you know, to draw it to the NHL comparison, that's been an argument with uh, the Oilers forever, is they are still switching lines up in the last like three games of preseason, and by the time the NHL season gets rolling, none of the guys have even played together, so it takes them that many more days to get accustomed to how the other guys playing, or even if they're on the team or getting settled into the city and everything else, and that's what you're talking about. So. It's an interesting take, 
And uh, like I say, like you, you go, people are going to question on it. I find it very intriguing. And uh, I look forward to seeing how it works for you. I hope it works for you. And I hope for the city of Lloyd and for the Bobcats, you come out guns and blazing and away you go. Well, it's one of those that you, you talk about the line combinations and stuff. And, and that's a, you put in some days here when we're doing different things and go home. It gives me time to think about that stuff too, right? So I got my, my master sheet where I got different colors and, and different things going on with different line combinations. It's played out. And as you mentioned, we can jump in and try those things uh, right away, right? And, and I think that's where, you know, you always think about camp as maybe a, a diamond and a rough or, or, you know, something along those lines. And I think you might get a surprise out of what we're doing with short numbers of, hey, this guy can game, right? And this is where we thought he'd be okay. He's great. Um, and I'm still a believer. You know, we talk about the flex lines where you got to have four lines that can play. But I still believe you need the pieces within that um, to make things happen. You need guys, you know, we look at Savoy down the road. Um, you got to be able to shut them down, right? We got to have pieces in our lineup that got to be able to play defense and, and shut a guy down like that. And, and for our guys... We're, they're going to go up against the guys that we're expecting to put up points, uh, you know, right out of camp. Here you go. Defend against them, stay even on them, and then find a way to get one or two along the way in practice when we're doing different small area games and going from there. But, you know, Sean, you go back to the 0-1-1 the, the or whatever it may be or 1-0 or 10-0, whatever it is, uh, you look around in comparison as, as a coach – people ask me who my favorite hockey team and stuff and and you look at sports as a whole like i look at the riders this year sask riders we got a lot of rider fans in <laughs> lloyd and and you know um all that kind of stuff oh and three to start yeah right and i don't know what they are now five and three or i don't know if they've you know they, they got up to 500 got above 500 and everybody's wondering why the, the coach isn't wearing his headset during the game right when they're on three they're wondering why you know he's the worst coach he doesn't have his headset on that's social media today though right five and three he's a great coach he doesn't wear his headset right, right. Or whatever it is now but it's it's a it's it's a, a, a everything uh in the in sports is a roller coaster yeah. right whether you're talking shift by shift or game by game or etc right you can extrapolate that and and you have to stay steady on it because you can't get too high when you're at the top and you can't get too low when you're at the the bottom Absolutely. because that's that's why you love the game is because of the ups and downs and twists and turns and everything else and um no the the coffee row thing is funny <laughs> because i mean you know you're uh you're the biggest ticket in town right when it comes to hockey there's there's no whl team here there's no nhl team you know you, it's the lloyd bobcats and so uh it's it's cool to hear that they're already grilling you in the middle of <laughs> august like uh, that's awesome right like i mean as a guy sitting in your position you had to expect that it was going to come um, you know, by taking the lead role and, and having to wear some of that trap, Melania, from questions and and concerns. And I can just imagine the list of things that uh, over the last almost a year, it'll be a year in November, since you took the job, you went through a season that could not have been easy um, to handle. I think you guys, what was it, nine wins last year? Yeah. That's, that's Whether you're the head coach or the assistant coach or the water boy, that is a rough uh, to bear and deal through, um, but at the same time, I you know I've had those seasons as a player, and you just can never forget that side, and you got to use that to fuel the start of a brand new season, and away you go. 
Well, I think too, you look at it, I tell our guys that we're recruiting and, and guys felt that at, at uh, spring camp and summer camp when there's people in the stands, right? And the excitement around that. I, I love, you know, when you go somewhere and you're getting grilled and, <laughs> and you're going to wear it, like you said, wear the good days, wear the bad days, but they care, yeah. right? And, yeah. and you have a, a community that cares and we can talk community, but for our guys coming in, you know, we're going to have guys from Calgary that that's a big city. You got the Flames, you got the Hitmen, you, you know, you got the Canucks, you got it, three different midget AAA programs. We got guys coming in from Ohio that, you know, you play College hockey, football, right? Yeah, like, well, yeah, you got it's on the bottom of the totem pole. Roller hockey. I always yeah. argue. I'm, I'm uh, married to a Minnesota girl, and they're the, the hockey state, right? Yeah. And in the hockey state, hockey's still probably number three on the sports list. Absolutely. I'm not saying they aren't crazy about <laughs> hockey because I'm going to have Minnesotans listening to this, but – there it's not the same as up here right like no, and it's no. specifically like you're saying in in lloyd well it's it's a cool thing and i think for our guys is you know you you experience that right when you go out and you're grabbing a bite to eat and you know the table across you knows you and we go back to the role model side of it and how you have to handle yourself and, and be professional and just be that good person but what more could you ask for right is is the support that we had last year and in, in what was a trying year um you know on the last game of the year we were eliminated from the playoffs um where easily could have been an, an empty rink and we're still getting seven eight hundred people to a game yeah um you know it boggled my mind because i'm like wow this is this is cool right this is a place that uh if we do something special here down the road man, the support that that might kick in and, and will kick in when when things turn the page is is special and uh as we start to wind down here because i've kept you i we're a little over an hour now and so i got a couple of quick hitters that i always do at the end that I, i'm excited to get, always do with guests because they're nice and easy and light for the most part um unless you're kenny morrison if he's listening to this he he seemed to make it difficult <laughs> <laughs> i shouldn't rag on kenny it was it was a lot of fun with him but um is there anything uh, you're looking for? I mean, like, how to go with sponsors? Are you still looking for sponsors? Uh, billet families, anything like that? If people are listening, is there any way they can, A, help? Uh, how's the season tickets going? Maybe a couple things like that uh, to help you guys out. And if there's some people listening that want to help out, they can. Well, as far as sponsorship, when we're fortunate, uh, you know, all of the support that we get all the time, um, you know, they get advertising in return, but truly the sponsorship that we get and the people that back us every year is, is awesome. We're always looking to add to it um, in different ways, whether it be game days or, or signage or, or just helping out, um, you know, in different ways there uh, to, to make junior hockey tick every day. And, and uh, we're, we're always looking there. And, you know, I'm the contact person for that. That was, that was most of my summer was doing that stuff. And I loved it, getting to know uh, the sponsors too and, and building those relationships but uh, uh, always look in the billets we're, we're fortunate again we had some billets come back that had billeted um, you know a couple of years ago and now are back on board um, you know our new billet coordinating team that's that's looking after things um, we, we we have spots for a couple extra that that if they want to give it a try um, you know, when we bring an affiliate or something in for, for a day or two and, and they get to experience that. Oh, and that might be a nice way to do it too, right? If they're thinking about it, all they got to do is 
a couple days and then they're gone again and now you kind of get a feel for what it's going to feel or well, what it's going to be like exactly right so we're, we're set up in a good spot there but that would be one that i'd say and I, you know it's it is a way to kind of break the ice and and maybe the fear of it is a kid two three days and you just see how things work out with it uh um so if, if somebody you know is interested in that to shoot our bill of coordinating team a, an email um they'd be happy to to discuss it they both billed it so they they know that and uh um knew and and been around it for a long time at the same time so um season tickets uh we had a big push there when with the early bird and and uh you know I think July, uh, people enjoy the lake and do all that. So uh, we, This summer is teaching us, we always joke, you get two months of summer. It feels like we've gotten a half month of summer well, this year. 12 degrees this morning. That's it right. Was, it's crazy. Um, but we're going to do a, a season ticket push here again uh, now that things probably, you know, school starts and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, we're going to do a couple open houses uh, here at the Performance Center that uh, people can come check it out. Uh, you know, we're going to open up our room. Uh, we, we changed that around and, and did that. And people can come see what the what the new product is. Yeah, and, and what that looks like. You know, maybe we've got season tickets and been season tickets for 10 years and never seen inside the dress room. And um, we're going to do that with uh, meet and greets with players after, uh, you know, player signatures and all that kind of stuff. We want to engage our, our guys in the community and into our fan base. And um, But season tickets, get your seat. Uh, you know, uh, we changed up the way we're doing tickets this year. So you can always have the, the tickets will be there for you. Um, lost my train of thought. I was thinking as soon as the door opened, I was thinking something and now, now it's disappeared. Um, is there any special games coming up? Uh, you talk about or special dates, not games. Uh, you talk about open houses. Have you scheduled any of that in? If people uh, want to come check out the new dressing room, do they just? I'm assuming you're going to announce it on Twitter, or Facebook, or something like that. Is that is that the best way to to figure that out, or do you have a date and time already set in? Yeah, the the Twitter, Facebook's a, a big part for us. Um, the day before this is is airing is the time that we'll be doing the open house on the 27th. Um, and then we'll we'll have uh, we do have a couple of cool games like the 14th is going to be our home opener. Um, that we'll have a lot of activities going on for that. We got October 8th is our hockey hockey day. Um, well, that's a cool. That's a great great day. That's all I've heard about is all the the kids. All that, the kids get to go to the rink. It's unreal. Yeah. So I, I've seen a couple of clips of that from you know the replays and stuff. Um, so we'll have that one. And then uh, you know a little bit different this year. We're going to go up to Onion Lake. Uh, December 6th and, and play up there on a Friday night uh, and that'll be a home game for us um, so we're going to do that uh, you know we have to, to be kind at the end of the year that uh, we're going to do that um, our, our focus and, and we've been working on it here now is to create an, an event for people to come where you're it's more than just showing up watching a hockey game win lose see a we're out of there right uh we want people to come there we want to up our entertainment in between uh and at the intermissions uh we want we've talked to to sponsors and stuff that you know have the t-shirt guns and have all those kind of things to bring those up that that bring some entertainment value on a friday night that's just you know we'd like to think it's affordable family fun entertainment and uh so we're going to continue to work on that here and and as we go we'll announce them um and and the big thing it's just like you know we got to win hockey games there's no doubt about that but we got to execute uh what we say we're going to do so if if we say that we're gonna you know have a special night in in november we got to make it a special night 
um, and that's a big thing. That's a big thing, uh, you know, moving forward for us is just that execution point on the ice, off the ice, what we say we do. That's awesome. Um, well, a good luck in the season. I'm I'm really excited to uh, come out and I. If people have listened, have been following along the podcast, there's at times we've ragged on them a little bit because we've had guys on who used to play for them, got been traded away, et cetera, et cetera, and it just comes up over and over. And uh, I'm excited to see what you guys do this year. Um, I, I'm a junior hockey player. I, I love watching a good junior hockey game. And it'll be I'm, – I'm interested to see what, uh, what your guys look like at the start of the season. What I do at the end of all the podcasts is I have a list of roughly five questions. As my listeners know, at times I stray from that and ask seven instead of five. But uh, there are some fun ones. I got suggested uh, I always have sports players on, and everybody has their reason why they wear their jersey number. So I thought, going back to your playing days, we could ask what jersey number you wore and why you picked that one. Well, I wore number three um, growing up when I was a young kid. That was dad's race car number. Uh, <laughs> so the three of us, used, we used to have it, young kids get the old Caesar cut with the number three in the back of our head and growing up. <laughs> uh, so that stuck. That stuck around for a long time. And then, honestly, I went. I could tell you every number I wore. A midget double A, I wore number two. That was the only number they gave it to me. Yeah. Went to the Pac Canadians, number six. That was given to me. Uh, Penticton, I was a rookie, number four. And uh, I stuck with four after one of those that you know. You, you Once kinda, you wear it, you you kind of get. Uh, yeah, yeah, so I went four four Penticton, and then uh, Camrose. I was an older guy, got to keep four, and then Minot went to four two. So I uh, ended it with four. So I don't know. It's kind of funny to go three four two six and and be in those. Well, you're a defenseman, right? Yeah. You had the number I always want. I always wanted four. Really? I always wanted four. I went to. Uh, Never got it once, not single time. I flipped a coin my first year in junior to get number four and lost the coin toss. Lost that one. It, it just wasn't meant to be. Yeah. And then uh, when I got back to Hillmont, where I've been playing senior now, uh, four wasn't uh, wasn't available either. And my number that I'd been wearing for like eight years wasn't available either. Uh-huh. And so I took the one my father had been suggesting to me for like, it felt like 20 years and I kept right. telling him, no, I'm never wearing that. And now it's my favorite number. It was five and it's one oh, you fine. haven't worn. Yeah. That's the one I haven't. That's why I, that, that five has never been of interest to me. Like, I, it was no, never of interest to me either until I got to Hillmont. I started wearing it. And then I had my father on episode two of this and I asked him, I'm like, like where, where did number five come? He was a forward. And number five was a community guy, uh, Vern Priest from Hillmont who they talk about was amazing on the ice back in like the 60s and dad had grown up watching them yeah and then it always wanted to wear five that's great and I was like ah so that I, ah, that's a cool story number yeah. three I mean heck you you rattled off pretty much every uh, single digit there was yeah exactly if you had a time machine you could go to any event where would you go oh man that's that's a good one this is the one that stumped Kenny. I was ragging on Kenny 10 minutes ago. Kenny wanted the parameters. And I can give you more parameters if you like. <laughs> yeah. No, no. I think any event, um, you know, I don't even think it, it would matter the sport. Um, a championship game, you know, you're looking at a best of seven game seven. Uh, I think that whether you're a fan of either team or the sport or anything like that, the the energy excitement adrenaline whether it be from soccer to to basketball that i had never watched before the raptors you know did their, Went on thing their incredible this year, run right like that game seven feeling of of 
just being a part of that and energy and atmosphere, yeah, that's where I'd go. If you could pick one defenseman to play with, current or past, who would you who would you pick to man the blue line with you? <laughs> I always joke Darian Hatcher. <laughs> <laughs> Back in his heyday yeah, when he could get made, away with it. Guy made three and a half million dollars last season. Um you know what? Interesting enough, Jay Bowmeister was like a gigantic like I always said that that's my game. Like that's my game and then you know, I almost thought that he was retired and then you look at him winning the cup this year, like uh, that was pretty cool. Um but uh uh, that's a that's a tough one because um, playing with hopefully somebody that put up a lot of points helped my plus minus. Um, <laughs> that'd be the big big part of it. I don't even know if I have one for you there. I'll, well, I'll you, stick you, with Darian Hatcher said, you on said that. Darian yeah, Hatcher. You said a couple Darian there. Hatcher. Yeah. Who was? Uh, we're gonna stick with your your playing days. Who was the best player you played with and played against? You know, played against, and it was just in the Doyle. Um, Played against my roommate Brad Hextall. He was just a kid, and and he still I watch him all the time. He's he's raising his son now and still involved in hockey. Um, that that just truly wore his heart on his sleeve. You know, he he captained the Sioux, um, did all that, and you knew you were gonna get the best out of him every night, whether you played with him or against him. There yeah. was there was never a doubt. You know, I speared him in in the first game of the Doyle, and we lived <laughs> together. A little controversy there, but um, he was just that guy. And, and again, I go back to that. He didn't score 50 or do anything like that, but just passion on his sleeve and, and live for the moment every day. Uh, did you go for a beer after you spared him? Yeah, yeah we won the Doyle too. So <laughs> no. he, uh, he's, he's still an awesome guy. He's still a guy that I call. You know, I'll send him says, Hey, Hexy, what did, what did you do as a player? What, what was your favorite coach? You know, just different things when you get to those Novembers and you're needing something a little bit different. Um, still stay in touch with them. And, and uh, you know, another one would be Carl Stollery uh, from Camrose and, and still playing pro. He's a quiet guy, homeschooled. His path to where he is today is different than, than a, a big percentage of players. Um, but he just goes about himself, real individual guy, and, and has success. And he just creates that by himself. I always give this one to the young guys. Ah, I'm interested in your answer. If you could go party with one celebrity, who would you go with? Oh, man. Well, it's been some crazy guy. You look at Ovechkin after he won the cup. <laughs> that, that guy, uh, that was continued on for a few days. So I don't think I, I, I probably wouldn't turn down Ovi if, if uh, you know. He would be, he'd have, you'd have a fun time with him. <laughs> I don't think anyone can have a bad time yeah, with him. Yeah, no, you find a couple of uh, water fountains around, and, and next thing you know, you're swimming, right? So, um that would be one for sure uh, that I would I would definitely be interested in. Final one. We uh, we do a little game called Sign Trade Buyout. And knowing that Nashville Predators is your team. Although I did find your uh, take on the uh, Carolina Hurricanes. What did you say there? Carolina Hurricanes, hard to, hard to not like them when their fan attendance went up 400%? 400% in season ticket sales. Or 400% in season ticket and merchandise. I think there was two that one was three, one was 400%. Um, like, yeah, I go back to that, uh, you know, Nashville and, and, uh, um, cool city, cool, everything, Carolina, what they did this year from a team that hovered at the bottom for years. And when you see numbers of merchandise and, and what it can do, right. What, what winning can do and what success and those guys being different, you know, uh, I think I dropped, it was Pierre, or uh, not Pierre, Don Cherry 
can't stand it. And yeah. I thought it was pretty cool. I, I, I completely disagree with what Don said. Or yeah. what I, I'm like, I come from oil country where every conversation I have around the oilers right now, a part of it's success. If they were winning, people probably wouldn't care nearly as much. But they haven't been winning. And you go to the game and there's no real fan experience, right? You go, you watch a game, you leave, and that's it. And half the time, half the time they just, they don't, I'm not saying they don't try. It just doesn't feel like they try or something along the lines, right? And then to watch what Carolina did and to have anyone say anything about how it's a travesty of the game or anything like that is like, they're engaging their fans. Their fans love it. Heck, I love it. I'm sitting there watching. I'm going, heck, I want to see what they, they figure out the next one, right? And well, and then to win on top of it and get that culture going, like, how can you knock that? Well, you, you, you talk about the, you know, the family part of it and the culture part of it. You can't tell me that, that more people didn't buy into it. There was a trainer that probably didn't have to but had a basketball hoop ready to, to yeah. pop out, right? Like, there was some – to sit down and, and understand – you know how that all happened and where it came from i think that would, it might come out in the coolest book ever absolutely you know, of, of who planned that did he practice it what went on with it and then how much they loved their coach and how much their coach loved them and how ballsy of it was it to try it the first time and not have everybody understand what the heck was going on <laughs> yeah. right yeah. it's yeah. easy to see it at the, at the 30th time they do it right or whatever how many times they did it right because now by now everybody's talked about it but like the first like three times everybody's kind of like what the heck is going on here? Well, yeah, it's still, and then, and then to lead up the anticipation of what was next, right? What That's are right. they going to do next? What are they going to do next? For it and, yeah. and all that. So, uh, pretty cool. So, the question, anyways, <laughs> going back to it, Nashville Predators is what you listed first. So, you got to sign one guy, trade one out, and buy one out. So, sign, trade, buy, buy out. And the three guys I picked off of uh, Nashville, because we can't make it nice and easy on you, I picked Forsberg, Roman Yossi, Victor Arvidsson. Oh, man. I threw a D-man in there. I thought maybe you'd give D-man some love, but, hey, we'll see what you choose. And what, what do I got to do with him here? I got to keep up? You got you to sign one long-term. Yeah. You got to buy one out, and you got to trade one. I keep Forsberg long-term. Who are my other two I'm working with? Roman Yossi, defenseman, and Victor Arvidsson, the small, skilled. Well, I don't I'd, even know why I'm at I'd buy him the out. listeners. Yeah. I'd buy him out. Buy out Arvidsson? Yeah. And trade Yossi? Yeah. There you go, folks. There it is. Call me crazy. (laughs) That's happened before. (laughs) Well, I appreciate you coming on. Wish you the best of luck. I hope you've enjoyed this. I certainly have had uh, a blast here for the last hour and a half-ish of sitting here chatting with you, and and good luck in the season upcoming. No, I appreciate you coming on, Sean. It's it's awesome, and it's awesome what you're doing, too. It's... uh, something different and, and getting to know people uh you know you look at the, the talent in town here and the guys that have come through town and stuff uh not many people would take the time of the day to do it so it's appreciated thank you and we'll uh, hopefully get you on here again yeah hopefully hopefully we've got some good <laughs> stories after so. hey guys thanks for tuning in i hope you enjoyed nigel dubay i wish him the best of luck here in the upcoming season if uh you are in the lloyd minster area on August 28th. They have their first preseason game against the Spurs Grove Saints. It's $5 at the door, so make sure you go check them out and see what the team's looking like this year. Next week, I have Chase Waters and Rhett Reinhardt in studio, uh, both playing in the dub currently. And so had the boys come in and sit down before they, they took off for the upcoming season, and 
I'll let you, I'll give you a little sneak peek here uh, at how it sounded. All right. Until next week, guys, enjoy. Of hockey routines. You got a weird, uh, yeah. you, are you guys weird in the, something you don't wash or you have to put on your gear the certain way? What's your, what's your weird routine? Oh my God. I don't, fact. I don't really have any, honestly. I have a couple of handshakes with the guys going out, but besides that, that, Really do you sit in, in that? Do you sit on the bus and go, okay, we got to work on a handshake? Uh, no, how, how, does, kinda, how does that start? It kind of just come along. It's yeah. you don't really plan it. It kind of just happens. Mm-hmm. I guess I always stretch on the blue line and warm up. Maybe that's my thing. Okay. Yeah. I I'm not gonna go through mine, but <laughs> I probably got 15, 20 little routines I do before every game, like a ridiculous amount, like little handshakes or. Like little things in warm up. I had to be the last guy in half moon. I got to shoot third and three lines. Oh, he's gotta, one of those guys. I got to stretch at like one minute those left guys. and just little things like that. And then for getting dressed, I always put my left skate on first.